Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. TangiboundNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Gerald is here to cross show for a minute. Cross pollinating so shows. Uh, uh, T- oh, TJ, you're going to have to give up the reins to Gerald. You got the reins, Gerald. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. Well, the only thing I wanted to ask you guys today, I'm just jumping in here for a second. I appreciate uh, you guys allowing me to go ahead and be a part of the show. And first off, to each and every one of you guys and your families, happy holidays and a wonderful and blessed 2020 and new decade for each and every one of you. you guys have been awesome to me and into the pop culture cosmos. And I cannot thank you enough uh, for, for everything you guys. Thank do. you. So oh, shucks. So yeah, Tear. thanks so Tear. much. I know. Tear. Tear to my eye there, but hashtag there. <laughs> we love you too, Gerald. <laughs> but anyways, um, <laughs> be that as it may, I wanted to ask you guys real quick uh, and just jump on the show here. Cause it's the only time I can get all three of you in a room at once. Wait, what show uh, are we on for the yeah. virtual? Is this room? pop culture cosmos right now? Or is this? No, I don't remember. No. Yeah, it's, it's it's still voice from the underground. Okay. <laughs> yes, right. yes. I can do Joe. another promo for you guys if you want. I don't have Flavor Flav with me, by the way. Flavor uh, Flav. <laughs> but neither I was, did, neither <laughs> did Flavor Flav actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, if you don't guys know already, I've been doing some things so far as far as me, you know, talking to people all around the world about various aspects of pop culture over the past decade and what's been most memorable to them. So, you know, I can't have a list like that without speaking to each and every one of you guys, because you guys have been so gracious to my show. So I want to ask you guys, put your thinking caps on. Here we go. I want to hear your best pop culture moments of this past decade. Uh, Big Haas, I'll start with you. Oh, for real? Why I get to go first? Well, that's because I haven't heard you in a while either. That's so I, and, and I always love to have you on the show as well. So. Well, you know what? I had uh, I've been doing some thinking about this, and I had a quick five off the top of my head. I like to do off the top of my head, and sometimes you're a prisoner of the recent moments. You know, I think that when you when you scan back over this decade, you have to remember though, Haas, this, yeah. on the pop culture cosmos, all the curse words will be getting drowned out. So, oh, oh don't, you know, he can say as much as he likes. I'll try to. I'll try to fudge it. I'll try to. It's just not going to make it. You can say Haas whatever is, you want. Haas will uh, sound like this. It'll sound like I really that and yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> because Audacity is my friend. Yes. <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. I'll, I'll teach Clean you. Clean segment. Everybody. I'll teach you. You, you what? What'd you just say? <laughs> You go TJ it up. I'm a TJ it up. Forever. <laughs> so when when I was recollecting upon the uh, I'm just playing. <laughs> so uh, I don't want to be a prisoner of the recent moment, but I think that there were some things, of course, over the last ten years. I, so uh, one of the first things I thought about was the the rise or the the emergence of the black 
led movie. I, I mean, if you, don't, if you don't know what I mean, but I'm just I'm talking about movies that are centered, centered around black characters. And it's not the magical black Negro or or um, Kazam, the slapstick, the, the slapstick comedy black guy or something like that. We're talking about films of substance that uh, were, you know, just mostly black cast and, and, and black led and, and actually served to debunk, debunk the myth that, you know, movies centered around black characters and things of that nature were not money makers uh, nationally or in the internationally. Uh, we had, uh, we had Moonlight. Uh, that was, you know, something that, you know, garnered Oscar nods and things like that. We had, uh, uh, let's see, uh, you know, you had 12 years of slave, you had, uh, some other movies you had, of course you had Black Panther. Um, and then here recently we got Queen and Slim, which has garnered much, uh, critical acclaim. Don't and, forget us and also yeah, get out us, get out fences, Pootie Tang. Uh, no, Pootie Tang is well. Pootie Tang would not be considered this last decade. So <laughs> that's a great, I'm sorry. That's a great fudging movie. Uh, but I think that that is one of the things that, that really first leapt to mind because we heard for so long that, you know, movies led by minorities, especially blacks, just did not sell. And that is why studios did not seek to um, distribute them or promote them or even make them. So uh, there was that. And then um, to me also, over the last 10 years, the proliferation of uh, streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and other services that are providing original content has been something that's just huge. Uh, to pop culture, to movies, to you know, music, to stand-up specials, so all of those things. You got, you got, you know, you got uh, shows on these, on these, on these, on these uh, streaming services, and even like HBO and stuff that are, you know, garnering that are very, very highly acclaimed, very, very well made. It's not, you know, B movie type stuff or things like that, and people are actually cutting the cord. And just going straight over to these streaming services for their for their content now, and I think that's something huge that's that's shifting the, that has shifted the landscape of how um, how me, how media is and how movies are made. Uh, I mean, I just I just watched Six Underground on Netflix the other day. It wasn't that great, but that's a, that's a story for another day. But still, I mean, you can say that of, again. Instead of people trying to you know, get their movies into Hollywood studios and, and get the get them up on the big silver screen. They're just going. And I mean, some of these movies are actually really good. And some of these shows are really, really good uh, instead of going to the, the main services. Uh, so I think that that was that's a huge, huge thing that happened this last decade. I, I believe that before, you know, before 2010, it wasn't as as prolific as it was as it is now here as we round out the decade. And also. I sadly 2010 to me marked the beginning of the end of, you know, consistently good rap mainstream that, that you would hear on, on, on the radio. You got a lot more trap rap, mumble rap, garbage rap, just, you know, making grunts and sounds and, and things like that. And not really speaking to anything, you know, we got rappers that are just, colossal flame outs that you hear about them for a year or two and now here we are three years later and we're all who was that dude who was that dude and we we don't have 
well, from a mainstream point of view, and I think that that's important to recognize when I'm talking about is uh, from that mainstream point of view, whereas before when we had NWA and two live crew, there was also Queen Latifah. There was there was poor righteous teachers. There was X clan positive. You know, there was uh, public enemy. (laughs) They they were on the radio as well. So cool. J. Yeah. So, um, you know, we we had certain rap. Yeah, we had well, Positive K had she had a man and he just kept was he kept asking for for her number anyway. However, it's just that we had equal time, I want to say. And now we don't have that equal time, it seems. We don't we don't get a chance to to hear anything positive. You know what I mean? And 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 popping bottles. Um, so that's something that over the last decade has been you know, kind of tragic to me, but I mean, there's still good rap out there. You just got to find it and it's not going to get, it's not going to get promoted on the mainstream. Well, I just um, want to say this. I think one of the ways you can tell is the billboard charts and you look at it, you see rap albums. Now these days they spike early, but they don't find a consistent audience. Yep. And it's, I think a lot of it is what exactly what you said is because they're not played on mainstream radio as much as they were in the past. Uh, you know, there's some outliners. Uh, obviously, one of the biggest hit this year is part of a hip hop rap uh, artist. But again, he had to go ahead and get back with, uh, you know, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus in order to go ahead and have that hit. So, yeah, you know, that that's uh, I think you're exactly right, because back previous decade and in the 90s, you saw those artists generating those hits that were listened to everywhere by so many different people on radio right. stations all over. And now it seems to be more back. It seems to be back. It seems to be going backwards instead of forwards. Right. And, and, I, and just to jump on that real quick, even the artists from the nineties who were big Snoop, you know, right. um, Kanye from the late nineties, early two thousands, Jay-Z, they dropped stuff and um, it sucks. You know, so it's or, or at least it's not what it was back then. It's not as prolific. Well, do you want to? Con- you know, I think Jay Z's four forty four album was great. Yeah, Kanye is definitely in that where he's dropping stuff and it's he's trying to keep up with how the music is now. And then he's just he's he's just he's crazy. I'm sorry, he's just crazy. Um, but you know, and keep it on moving because I know we, we our time is short with TJ and Gerald. Um, my last two things that I that I really that really jumped into my mind are sports related. And if you all know, I, I love football. So um, the first thing I want to hit is how our boy Lamar Jackson is showing the world. Uh, you know, we, we talked about Willie Beeman in any given Sunday and how he was, <laughs> he was throwing the ball and he was running the ball. Right. Right. We got Willie Beeman 3.0. Not 2.0. I'm right. Inflate I'm your chest, get met Rex. But I'm serious. Think about it. Think about that movie. He wasn't just running, but he was pitching that ball down the field. He was doing all kinds of things. Lamar Jackson has personnel directors, GMs, owners all over this doggone league rethinking what they can do with a quarterback. They didn't know what to do with Mike Vick. They didn't know what to do with, with Cordell Stewart. They didn't know what to do. They, they kind of didn't really know what to do with Randall Cunningham. But J- John Harbaugh has figured it out. I'm sorry. More to the point, Greg Roman figured it out. 
And he figured it out when he was in San Francisco with my next and final uh, subject of my pop culture icons for the decade. Um, but Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator in, 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 in Baltimore, has figured it out. And he is showing what can be done when an organization puts the time in and, and dedicates themselves to actually formatting their program and formatting their systems around the abilities of that dual threat, a true dual threat quarterback. And it's a wonderful thing to see. And, and what is, what is happening, what Lamar Jackson is doing is giving quarterbacks, dual threat quarterbacks that are, that are good. He is giving them more vision in these, in these uh, scouts eyes in the coming years. He is giving, he is, he is opening jobs up at the quarterback position for future dual threat quarterbacks. Mark my words, they're going to be at least two or three in the next, in the next, in the next two drafts that come out. And then uh, for my last and, and final, and maybe the most important to me, pop culture or social, uh, I, you know, just person of the decade to me, um, Colin Kaepernick what he did for him to sacrifice his career. And he knew that was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen. When I say we, we talk about people of color, black people. We knew what was going to happen. We know that the person who leads the charge is gets punished the worst. We know that um, things will be done to, to try to discredit that person. And we know that uh, what he's done, at least in starting a conversation, and a conversation that many people thought would fizzle out. And to, people thought this conversation would be over by now. And here we are. We still have the conversation. He is still, you know, he started that ball rolling. Yes, in some respects, we may be past kneeling, but that was the first domino. And what he said and what he continued to say as far as why that people refuse to listen to, some people still today refuse to listen to the why and they want to make it about their own reasoning that they can easily dis- try to discredit or dismiss the message. But um, what he did and what he continues to do in the communities around this nation um, are going to be are going to resonate for for a very long time. And we now have people who are taking the 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 ball, I guess, or the the baton from him and trying to do other things and go further with it. And, um, you know, like the Malcolm Jenkins of the world and uh, others that are, you know, really seeking to try and make, make that relevant change. And uh, I really hope that Jay-Z and his positioning will actually do some, do some things that shift the landscape of the mindsets of some of those owners in the league. So, those are my, that's my top five right there. I'm sorry. I, t- I was a little long winded. You're listening to the pop culture cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Greetings, starfighters. It's Sean from the rusted robot podcast. Join me and the rusty crew. As we break down the latest geeky movie trailers, talk about TV, comics, toys, games, casting news, and all things nerdy. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the ESO network, and at the rusted robot.podbean.com. The Rusted Robot Podcast. 
your source for geek since 2014. The Rusted Robot Podcast. Think about it. Oh, no worries. Some great thoughts right there from me, and I truly appreciate it, Big Haas. So go ahead, my friend. Uh, that aside, that's for the Lakers Fast Break podcast, by the he way. He solicited you. Um, uh, Friday <laughs> at the yes, Super yes. 8. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead, TJ, your thoughts on the best things of the, of the decade that stood out to you in pop culture. All right. I'm, 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 I'm going to give you the abridged version. Uh, number one, sports related is going to be <laughs> – number one, sports related is going to be the Los Angeles Lakers, the rise, the fall, and the subsequent rise again. Our last championship, and I'm speaking to us as Laker Nation fans, was 2010. That's the last time we won a championship, 2010. And here we are, almost 10 years later, looking like, looking like there's a chance, looking like we might have a legitimate shot at becoming world champions yet again. So, yes, the rise, the fall, and the subsequent rise again of the Los Angeles Lakers. And when I say rise, they were already on top in 2010, so I don't really mean rise. But the Lakers returned to relevancy in 2010 and beyond uh, was awesome. That's number one. Number two, Disney taking over the whole goddog media industry. I mean, they took everything. And then they, they just acquired Fox just this year. I mean, Disney has uh, acquired Marvel. Disney has acquired... Lucas Films, Disney has acquired Fox. I mean, I don't know how much is left for Disney to acquire. Uh, I kind of feel like everything else just needs to go ahead and Paramount Pictures, go ahead and give it to Disney. Uh, Sony. Max, go ahead and give it to Disney. Sony, go ahead and give it to Disney. Just just, just give everything to the mouse because apparently he's taking everything anyways. Uh, so that's number two. Number three is the beginning and the end of major serialized events in TV and movies. I am talking about Game of Thrones. I am talking about the subsequent end of Marvel's uh, first, uh, I guess we can't call it phase one because it's not phase one. It's well, no, just phase a, one, phase two, phase three. Uh, yeah, but what do they call the entire, I mean, they call it the Infinity Saga, right? Yes. So I guess their first saga, if you will, the end of their first saga, uh, the end, the beginning and end of Game of Thrones. That's what that $500 um, Blu-ray, say, a Blu-ray set, a Blu-ray set yes, says. Yeah, yes, Infinity that I, I, I'm trying to win through various Twitter uh various Twitter handles. Uh, people are offering it. I'm trying to win it very, very, very badly because I want it. Not because I don't already own a DVD. That's neither here nor there. So, um, and also uh, the ending to the Skywalker saga in Star Wars, which will be releasing on tomorrow night or Friday, depending on when you're going to go see it. Uh, so there are a lot of things that are coming to an end uh, this year that uh, kind of started in this decade too. So a uh, big deal there, big deal there. I miss my number 44. Uh, I I miss Mr. Barack Obama. Um, What he did, not, he didn't, I I can't pretend like he did something that was just, he he advanced the African-American race. I I can't pretend like he he did anything that was just, oh my God. But I think the the idea that we were able to finally have representation um, was something. And and I'm talking about representation in the media, obviously a major hit in Black Panther, uh, representation in the White House in the, in the White House with uh, President Barack Obama. Um, it, it just felt like a good decade to be an African American. Um, Watchmen being a show that's coming out right now that has a prolific African American as a star as a star than one of the main stars of the show. It's just there, there's been this this renaissance, if you will, and 
I think people are starting to understand that, you know, it doesn't just have to be uh, a, a white male that leads a cast. It doesn't have to be a, a male that leads a cast. You can have females lead cast. But, you know, the 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 fun part that I've got to see is that it's been uh, it's been such an awesome thing to see people that represent what we look like in those positions. Um, that meant the most to me. And those are the, you know, those are the factors that meant the most to me in this last uh, decade. Very well said as well, my friend. That's awesome to hear. And, you know, that's, that's great. And, and we'll hear more great stuff on the Lakers Fast Break podcast coming up, hopefully with you very soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend, J- Jason Dutch, the guy who I also am on with Inside Sports Fantasy Football, who, again, best of luck, guys, for everybody out there who are in the uh, championship finals for fantasy football, including myself. Yes. So, Mr. Jason Dutch. I leave it to you, my friend. It is I. So this was an interesting decade, to say the least. The first funny thing is is that starting in a week and a half from now, when people say the 20s, they will no longer be uh, talking about or referencing the Prohibition era, uh, because the, the era of Al Capone, the era of Bobby Sox, you know, and... and uh, you know, women's, the women's movement and things like that, because it'll be the twenties again. Holy crap. So the, um, but that being said, the number one thing to me, um, I I think TJ sort of touched on this a little bit. And I was going to basically say the same thing is that, you know, you had this, this takeover by Disney, but they gave us two things. Uh, and, and I won't spend a ton of time on them, but for me, they were still huge. And that was the Marvel saga, as well as the um, uh, most of the Marvel saga. You had a couple movies that came before 2010, but the the vast majority of this uh, culminated during the the tens, um, as well as as Star Wars. And you know, I I actually rewatched the Last Jedi last night, and I have to say, uh, I don't know why I hated it so much the first time I saw it. It really wasn't as bad. I, I kind of enjoyed it this time. So I'm super 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 looking forward. Um, to seeing the the rise of Skywalker in a couple of days, um, thinking I might go Christmas morning um, and just hang out and watch that. So, um, so Disney gave us that. But but on a side you know tangent to that is just the absolute failure of of my boys at DC. Um, DC did come out with some some great moments. They had some great moments with Shazam. They had some great moments with Wonder Woman. They had a great moment with. Um, with Aquaman and they had a great, some great moments in BVS and justice league, but by and large, the aggregate has been terribly subpar and uh, you know, just the disappointment in my mouth from uh, pause uh, from uh, the, from what DC had, had given us. Um, number two, game of Thrones, just by itself. I mean, Game of Thrones is one of the more is. And again, I think this is something TJ have to remind me. I think it started in uh, 2009, if, if memory serves. But again, the culminate. I started watching it in, in 2010. Um, I was about a year late. And this was one of many series that came out during this, uh, you know, this decade. Sons of Anarchy was up there. Um, you know, Walking Dead started right around that time as well. And, and these shows have just, you know, these episodic uh, journeys that, that we all went on together um, with Game of Thrones really leading that charge with having a cinematic quality uh, TV show that was, you know, 
it, it took what HBO had done in the past with the Sopranos and, and stuff like that and just took it to another level. And really, I'm not convinced that it will ever be replaced with something quite as as epic as that was, um, even by their own spinoffs. So um, that, that would be number two. Uh, number three is more of a sad one. Um, and, and it's really, Gerald, uh, defined by the closing of Toys R Us. You know, Toys R Us is something that we all grew up with. Toys R Us is something that... You know, it was a huge part of our childhoods um, for anybody who's 25 and up, I would say, probably even younger than that. Uh, But, you know, the people who are adults now, you know, if you're 20 or older, Toys R Us was part of your life. I mean, there was nothing like going to Toys R Us. It was different from going to like Venture, Zare or, you know, because you got to remember Walmart wasn't around back then, or or at least they weren't they weren't around nationally. They're only in like Arkansas. Um, And it's it's sad because, you know, you you. Amazon has has taken over the world. Um, you know, Costco's having uh, issues. Walmart's having some some issues, even though they're trying to get online. You look at J.C. you look at Sears. You know, these guys are done. You know, none of them though affect me the way that Toys R Us did, and it's um it's just something that we'll probably never see again. I, I know there's been rumblings of KB coming back and Toys R Us possibly relaunching, but it will never be what it was. You know. No, I mean, now you have it in, what, two locations at this point in time, but in a much more 2019 sterilized yeah, and even uh, what was the one in the huge one that they bought in, in New York, um, like the the iconic toy store in, in New York. FAO Schwartz? I, I've, FAO Schwartz, yes, thank you. You know, even that one has, has gone the, the wayside. So, you know, and, and I do love Amazon, right? Amazon's great, but the, the point of the matter is, is it's gone. Um, number four. Uh, is just the, the peop, how people are entranced by, you know, the the media. I mean, we have a reality TV star as, as president of the United States. You know, uh, people are just so encapsulated by what happens on, on, on television. You've got, you know, we had some crazy things happen this decade, uh, pinpointing the, the election of Trump, you know, um, the, the, the disappearance of the Malaysian Airlines uh, flight that we still haven't found. You know, the whole 2012 Mayan calendar fiasco where, you know, people uh, are, are talking about this. and They think the world's going to end. And what does it all do? What, what is the point of this? It turned into the Twitter phenomenon, right? Twitter has taken over everything. It's, it's divided people. It's united people. But, but at the same time, it has just, you know, it's, it's led to cancel culture. It's led to so many different things where people go back and they look at a tweet you did in 09 or 08, and then they want you to lose your job. You know, the, the, but every time that there's an event that takes place within the news, it ends up just saturating Twitter and everybody gets divided and everybody ends up on one side and everybody, the other group ends up on the other side and there's no more discussion. It's us versus them. And that is a terrible byproduct of of what what happened with people distrusting the media and it's not all trump's fault believe you me because the media is a lot responsible for what for this happening on their own so but but twitter uh culture is not is my second to last one uh number one to me and this will be a short one i'm a cubs fan 2016 chicago cubs finally break their 108 year drought and win the world series 
Um, you know, there were other great moments as well. I think that the Cavaliers, you know, also had a, 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 a long title drought that was broken. Um, 50 but, years, I want to say. Yeah. And, you know, but the Cubs defeated the Cleveland Indians who had their own uh, drought. And, you know, that team led by John Lester and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, you know, uh, Ardolis Chapman for his little cup of coffee he had with the Cubs. It cost him a draft, a couple draft picks. But, you know, it's it, it was just an amazing thing to see the way the United the, the city of Chicago came together five days before Trump was elected president. You know, there was a different world. So but it was still, you know, just an up and down World Series, possibly the best World Series of all time. This last one that just uh but uh, between the Nationals and the Astros was great as well. Uh, we've had we had a good one with the Dodgers and the Astros also. But I mean, the Cubs and Indians World Series was just amazing. And, you know, the class, I would say, that was shown by the people of Cleveland. Uh, I can't I can't be understated as well when they when they fell in that series and they, they realized that what they were still seeing was was very historic. But to get that uh, quote unquote uh, monkey off my back was amazing because they're just <laughs> suffering as a Cubs fan for. You know, and, and I'm 45, so I was suffering uh, as a Cubs fan for what was it, 41 years, uh, 36 of those as a as a coherent Cubs fan um, was, but it's probably going to be one of the great moments of my personal life, uh, not just the 2010s. So you're good for another hundred years. I'm good for another 108. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I want one now, and I'm very angry of what uh, what's been happening there. But that's really. another story. Yes, another. St- but that's the rest of the story. Well, all right, guys. I appreciate it so much. I allow you know for allowing me to go ahead and speak to you guys on this. Uh, I know you guys got a great show still in hand, so you know I will leave it be, my friends. But again, to all you and all your families, and to all your listeners out there, I wanted to wish all of you a blessed holiday season, also as well an incredible new decade for each and every. Same to you, bro. Same to you. And, right. and Gerald, for the for, before you go, just let the listeners know um, where your show is at. Well, thank you so much. Um, this will come up at sometime before the end of the year uh, on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. It's available on Podbean and wherever you can get your podcasts. Plus, also as well, be played on radio stations worldwide. So you can check our listings today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But again, that's Pop Culture Cosmos. So just check out. Just type that in on the search. Come right up not only on Apple Podcasts, but also, again, every major podcast outlet, in which you can also check out other great shows, including Jason Dutch on the Inside Sports Fantasy Football, TJ on the Lakers Fast Break, and so much more. So hopefully you guys will give us a chance. You'll listen to it and and appreciate everything that you guys have done from Voice from the Underground. Appreciate you, big dog. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Gerald. All the best to you guys. Be cool, brother. Be cool. Take care. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. 
it's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Ooh, it's a Halloween edition here, but it wouldn't be a Halloween edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos without Dracula himself. It's Josh Peterson. Scary times ahead, my friend. Your picks on the horror genre is something that I know you and I have spoken about over the past few years at length in regards to our influences, but also as well, what is currently trending in the horror movie genre. So you got to lay it on me, man. What are your picks for the top five favorite Halloween movies in your world? Okay, well, these are in no particular order here, but, you know, the only, like, slasher franchise I've ever really been into was is Friday the 13th. Like, I saw Halloween when I was a kid, and I saw... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but they all just seem to, I don't know, not, they didn't capture me the way that Friday the 13th did, because maybe it's because when I was a kid, I used to always go up to the woods, you know, stay, stay up in uh, Yosemite, and I go outside, and, you know, at night, sit on the deck, and my imagination would go crazy out there, but I got number one on my list, the original Friday the 13th, and I got one name for you, man, Kevin freaking Bacon. That's right, Kevin Bacon. But there's just something, something. It, it's such like a a simple film, and it's so entertaining. You know, it's like there's nothing, there's nothing complicated about it. You have a kid in the woods, a bunch of teenagers, not kid, but you have a murderer in the woods, a bunch of teenagers who, who are uh, just being teenagers, if you know what I mean. And they just they get stabbed and there's no like there's no greater mystery to anything. It's just a survival flick and these kids don't even know what they're trying to survive from. And that's like one of the most basic plot concepts I've ever heard in my life. But it's so captivating. Even now, like it holds up so well. If it didn't, it wouldn't be such an iconic horror movie. I agree with you on that. It is very iconic. And it all stems from a death of a child in the summer camp because of some teenagers getting crazy. So I agree with you, my friend. The concept was very simple. The tropes were very rudimentary, but they've managed to age well over time, even though a lot of the genre tropes that were created from movies like Friday the 13th were used over and over and over and over again. But even though it didn't work well over the period of time for other films, it still works very well for Friday the 13th, at least for the most part. It did get a little crazy later on in future iterations of the series. Are you talking about when Jason went to space? Kind of, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's pretend that didn't happen. Yes. Um, so what's next on your list, my friend? So my next one is The Others with Nicole Kidman, who, yes, she is still very attractive, and I will fight anybody who says she's not. Keith but Urban I- wouldn't fight you on that. Keith Urban would not fight. Keith Urban's a man with good taste. But this movie was, I don't know, like I, I like haunted house flicks more than I like, you know, slasher flicks. So 
or the, the slasher or uh you know exorcism movies i don't even touch those yeah i like haunted house movies a lot i love supernatural movies and the others was so well crafted so well written and the fact that you had no idea what was going on until the very end of the movie like that just is because around in the sixth sense you know you could start to kind of figure it out before the end of the movie got there but with the others you honestly had no idea what was happening until the last five minutes and no matter how many guesses you threw on the table you could not figure it out it was scary it was intriguing and you cannot look away the whole time and then to top things off it blows your mind after after you know when you reach the end of it because the reveal is one of the most famous reveals of any horror movie. Right, right, right. And it's 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 one of those things where you can't watch it more than once, but one watch is all you need and it's and you will go and tell people what a great movie it was. So what's up next, my friend? The others is an excellent choice, especially like you were talking about with the twist on the end just being so memorable. I know you got three others to talk about, so let me hear a man. Come on, what's coming up next on your best of horror flicks? All right, so next I got House on Haunted Hill, the remake. Not the old black and white one, but this movie, it's not a good movie. It's far from a good movie. Everything about it is stupid, and it's uh, got, what's his name, J.K. Simmons in it. It's on my list because I saw it as a kid, and I just remember the opening sequence where the, the lunatics in the insane asylum go nuts and they escape and they start killing everyone i just remember being mortified at this part where this uh patient goes into an office grabs a handful of pencils and just shoves it through this nurse's neck i had never seen anything like that in my life i had never seen anything that gory like granted i had seen friday the 13th but nothing even compared to this and it was one of those movies where like I had blacked it out for so long, but then I went back when I was a teenager and watched it again, and I was still horrified by it. And it's, you, you know, granted, if you watch it now, it's terrible, but just it had a had a killer cast. It was your typical cheesy 90s horror movie, and it had all the tropes, all the cliches, and it it's, I don't know, it holds a special place to me, but it's not something I'm ever going to watch again. Okay, so that's like a half-hearted recommendation, but okay. Uh, be that as it may, all right, but it's on your list. Okay, next one I got The Conjuring. We've, we've talked about this one at length. It's, it's very well written, very well filmed. The cinematography is great. The acting is great. I remember watching this the first time I watched it was with my dad. My dad actually had nightmares about it that night. So, yeah, well done there. You, know, you can go back and listen to our explanations on uh, older shows. Yeah, my uh, my number one pick is The Orphanage with Guillermo del Toro. I think he produced this one. But did you ever see this one? No, I've not seen the actual whole Moon Tire movie itself. Because this one's interesting in the fact that you can't really tell if it's a horror movie or if it's like a, a mystery movie. But the more you get into it, the more terrifying and intriguing it becomes. And it's only in Spanish but even with the subtitles it's still a good movie and it's 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 tragic and like the, there's so much depth and layers to the characters that you can even like the the ghosts like you sympathize with the ghost and like the the struggles of these children and this lady who's uh trying to find this lost kid it's i can't even begin to describe how much i love this movie 
it is horror. It is Guillermo del Toro leaves his mark on this one, even though he didn't actually direct it. But it's definitely something I would recommend watching for sure. That's an outstanding list, my friend. I'll tell you what, I'm getting all scary and all nervous right now. I'm thinking someone's going to jump Someone or something is going to jump out at me right now. So I better get on with my list before I can go ahead and hide into like maybe the closet or something into our safe room so we can, you know, you know maybe have to, uh, you know, do something about that before the end of the show here. But getting on to my list when it comes to the, I think the horror movies you need to see or movies I think that are really kind of scary or, or something outlandish that you need to go ahead and see this Halloween. I want to give a special mention, and this is actually one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen, but it's not in a horror movie, but it's someone I think should be recognized as a top horror movie director. And I've told you this one before, and I think it should be the case because he puts in elements of horror in so many of his non-horror movies, and that is Steven Spielberg. And the scene I'm talking about is in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And if you're a young kid in the early 80s and you were watching, you were freaked out at the sarcophagus scene when they're opening up the Ark of the Covenant and the individual Nazis that were there and also the French archaeologist that was serving as the, I think, Jewish priest at that time. They got more than an eyeful when it comes to when they open up the Ark of the Covenant. And yes, the special effects on it have aged tremendously and i've seen a behind the scenes video of how they actually created that scene and what did they utilize in it but back in the 80s when you're looking at it on a big screen when you're looking at it as a 13 14 year old you are freaked out when you see what happens when they open the ark of the covenant and what really pops out there and what they do to those three individual Nazis that are looking right at it and the horrifying screams and the, the eyes melting and all that stuff and, and the exploding heads and whole nine yards. I was freaked out for days on that. I had images of that, like scary images of that in my brain going forward. And if anybody tells me that Steven Spielberg is not what they would consider a horror movie director, I will show them this scene and have them say otherwise. That's all I'm going to say. That, to me, is the scariest scene ever. Real quick, that pick totally came out of left field. I commend you on that. Like, I, I too, remember being scared of that, but that is not something that I would have ever thought to put on a horror movie list. So, well done, sir. I've and, told you, my friend, haven't we had this discussion before, but that I really think that he is a horror movie genre specialist, and he tries to sneak in elements of horror in a great deal of his movies. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. There are even parts in E.T. that are pretty creepy, but I get it, dude. And I, every, there's a lot of stuff in the Indiana Jones movies that is pretty terrifying. Exactly. So, And then, you know, Temple of Doom with the heart-grabbing stuff, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. And, and they tried to go ahead and do something a lot tamer when it came to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and and when they were drinking the cup and drank the wrong cup of Christ and the Holy Grail and whatnot, what happens when you don't drink the right one? Yeah, okay, but that wasn't as freaky because that looked kind of phony. But kids now, the age when we saw it, would probably laugh at it because it looks so hokey-dokey. But on a big screen, oh, man, it was just so scary. But getting into my list at number five is Carrie, the original Carrie from the 70s starring Sissy Spacek, John Travolta. I thought that movie was very well done. 
Obviously, it has a lot of parameters and things that it would lead in today in regards to bullying and unkindness in today's high school environment. But it does have a killer ending and a lot of deaths and a lot of gory ones, very bloody. Yes, there have been bloodier movies. Yes, there have been gorier movies. But at that time in the 70s, it was really pushing the envelope. And as a scary movie, I think it really just holds up very well. And I like it. I like it a lot as a as part of the horror movie genre. And I think it, it serves well as a pick for number five on my list. I think you should go out of your way to see it once again because it, it holds up pretty good. It holds up not too bad. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge? The next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Biterbrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. Number four for me is another movie outside of the horror genre per se, although it kind of blends a lot of elements of action thriller and horror genre, World War Z. And the only reason I say that is because, well, not because of Brad Pitt's performance, because it was all right. That wasn't truly horrifying. But the fact is, these zombies were not slow. I think that's the concept that really just blew me away, is that these were really fast. It almost remind, it reminds me a lot of 28 Days Later. I think that was also close on my list as well, as far as something that could be right there. With 28 Days Later, real quick, did you ever think that Danny Boyle would be capable of making something like that? No, no, not from his pedigree. I really thought that was uh, something that was out of left field for him, but it was really good. I tell you what, 28 Days Later was was really something, uh, a landmark movie at that point in time. But World War Z, just they took whatever was in 28 Days Later and took it up a notch even further with the zombies being really, really fast and really scary. I personally really enjoyed it because of that aspect, because they were really fast. People are saying, oh, the CG, all oh, the CG. Okay, you know what? Fine. If you want to say the CG wasn't perfect, by all means. But for me, it was well enough that it got by as a truly scary movie because the elements that were there and also the fact that these creatures could get you in a short amount of time and that you would turn if you were infected in an even shorter amount of time. And to me, that was really what made it a very good movie and i'm hoping someday that they get through all these production limbo issues that are currently out there for the sequel and finally get a sequel underway and a world war z2 will come to fruition although now i'm beginning to not hold out hope for it they keep saying they're going to do it but you know it just keeps on getting pushed back pushed back and sooner or later it's just going to get pushed back until it's no longer under even consideration for another go-around which is a shame because i believe it is brad pitt's highest grossing movie which kind of is strange with all the stuff he's already done yeah well it would seem weird that they wouldn't make a sequel and i know they really want to because otherwise it's been like what in the making for six seven years now and if if it wasn't something they really wanted to make 
they would have dropped it three or four years ago. So I'm I'm still holding out for it. But what's so great about World War Z is that it's the first zombie movie I think that's ever been made that seems kind of logical in its own like a logical way. Exactly. And the fact that it was done on such a large mass scale, you know, everybody, when they go to those zombie type things, yes, it's it's thought of as far as the zombie outbreak being on a worldwide scale, but it's always concentrated on a small town or on a small centralized area. You know, we talk about stuff like going on as far as The Walking Dead. That zombie apocalypse is there, but it's it's centralized the story within one certain parameter. This is a globe-trotting, world-hopping event, and it just, to me, it hopefully it will be something that gets a sequel. I know there are rumors, in fact, IndieWire, as what you're telling me now, is reporting that there is possible filming that's going to be coming up in summer 2019. But I, you know, Josh, I'm going to tell you right now, I actually have to see photographs of on-set actual shooting, filming, or Brad Pitt on the set in character before I believe that this thing is actually going to get done. Fair enough. Next on the list we have at number three, that is going to be Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I know Jason Todd Feinberg of Hunting Queen talked about the original version from the 50s being the one that he admires the most. I'm going to say I've seen that one, but I'm going to say for me, the 70s version with Donald Sutherland, Leonard Nimoy, very young Jeff Goldblum, all in that flick. I'll tell you what, to me, it was a very haunting movie, obviously, with the whole body snatchers themes and the pods and all that. For what you could get out of it with 70 special effects, it kind of looks dated today, obviously, because of the fact it has those 70 special effects. But I know Jason talked about Donald Sutherland's the high shrieking of the actual uh, you know, pod people themselves. I kind of like that aspect. And to me, it serves better than maybe a Children of the Corn or, or any of the other iterations that has been done when it comes to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So I highly recommend it as my number three pick, Invasion of the Body Snatchers from the 1970s. Check it out. Because like I said, it, to me, it was actually a very good flick. Number two, two is actually something very recent. I know you talked about The Conjuring, and that's a recent pick to your list because of the fact it's been such a, a great film, not only the fact that it's been very scary, but it's led to a whole series under the whole development of The Conjuring sequels and also spinoffs that have been very successful themselves. I'm also talking about a horror movie. I think you would have to classify it as a horror movie that I know we're talking about movies that recently that have been successful. Let's talk about Get Out. Academy Award nominated film, truly just one of the best films overall in 2017. And I just think that this film, above all others in its genre in the past couple of years, Don't Breathe, The Conjuring series, and others, It Follows, and others of recent horror movies, Cloverfield, all those other movies, like I said, get out to me, not only because of social reasons, but the fact that it just freaks you out when you watch it. To me, it provides a truly entertaining time. And I'm I'm just going to say right now, to me, it not only was one of the best movies of 2017 that you, if you haven't seen it, you need to check it out. It's also one of the best horror movies that are out there and my number two pick. Another movie I want to say, honorable mention that's out there. I know that we touched on it a little bit with Tyler Baker and you know his thoughts on Hannibal Lecter, but the Manhunter films, those were 
were scary in their own right because of the, the psycho killer, that type of deal. And I know Silence of the Lambs is also something that a lot of people need to go out of their way to see because I think that is an extremely effective film and a really outstanding performance by both Anthony Hopkins and also Jodie Foster. My number one pick is going to be, and this is something, Josh, you and I have spoken about over the years. I know a lot of people like it as well as a horror flick, is Alien and Aliens. And I'm not going to say Alien is my top pick. I'm not going to say Aliens is my top pick. I'm going to say it's a tie, and I think you've got to see both those films to really get a true idea of just how horrifying movies can be. Just truly a brilliant time. What? You've got to see them back to back. Like That's that's how I'd recommend watching them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, that's, that's the way you got to see it. It's Alien and Aliens. I know Alien was mentioned earlier in regards to what was going on in that film and, and how it freaked people out with certain scenes, the John Hurt scene as far as the, the alien coming out of his chest and whatnot. But to me, it doesn't feel complete unless you see Aliens and you see all the, the scary moments that are there as well. I just think that they both fit like one part and a second part of Masterpiece, like we will hopefully see coming up with the Infinity War part one and whatever they're going to call part two. I just think that in the future years, we will think of it as a complete set when you watch both. I feel the same way about Alien Aliens, so that's why it's number one on my list. Carrie, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Silence of the Lambs, all great films. There's so many great horror picks to come out there, but I think when it comes down to it, Alien Aliens are, are the two movies you need to see the most. You can forget all about the other Alien movies. And I'm sorry to tell you that, Josh, but you can forget all the other Alien movies in the franchise. Dude, let me tell you this. So when I the first time I saw the Alien movies was when, I think it was a couple months before Alien vs. Predator came out. Okay, so we I had gone and purchased all the, because I wanted to get all the backstory. So I went bought all the Predator movies, and I went out and bought the special edition Alien films. And I got to tell you, man, I was so into alien and aliens and when i got to alien 3 i just i felt disappointed you know is it was almost like to 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 show you what i mean like a comparison would be like when i walked out of the last jedi after the movie rolled and that's just like dang man that is not what i was hoping for and that's resurrection correct no that's alien 3 resurrection was even worse okay but but not I, i lost track after that so so yeah, it goes Alien Three, then Alien Resurrection. But even Resurrection was better than Alien Three, you know, because they had already screwed it up. So my expectations for Resurrection were already super low, and it ended up like performing slightly above that. Once again, those are our choices for the top horror picks that you need to see this Halloween. If you have thoughts on what your picks are for this Halloween that maybe we need to see or our followers and listeners need to see, we'll repost it out there if you want. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. My friend, it's been a great episode, a very spooky and haunting episode indeed. Any last thoughts on the way out? Yeah, guys, be safe out there. It's Halloween night. Be safe. You know, if you're going to go out to a party, be responsible. And also, if you're taking your kids trick-or-treating, be responsible there too. Just, it's... 2018 the world's become weird just just be safe and we want to make sure you guys are around to listen to the next episode i couldn't agree with that more all spookiness and kidding aside that was just an awesome statement and as well i truly wish everyone out there 
a safe and happy Halloween. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It is a spooky day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We surely thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a spooky and haunted Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games.
You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.